0: Happy Tuesday. Welcome to The Briefing Room. Coming to you from the Washington Bureau of ABC News, I'm John Santucci alongside Anne Flaherty. Busy week for you, Anne, and the transportation agencies team here at ABC News, because we are talking first and foremost about President Trump's 2020 proposed federal budget. A lot of interesting numbers in there. Let's dive into that right here with you. And we're going to have Mary Alice Parks, our deputy political director, joining us in just a minute. She's been up on Capitol Hill. But Anne, let's just start here, because there's so many different agencies that would be impacted here by the president's Mm -hmm. budget. First and foremost, let's take a look there. A lot has to do with health. When we talk about Medicare and Medicaid in the president's budget here, um, a a real huge slice that's going to be coming here. So we know Medicare is that federal program provides health coverage. If you are 65 and older or have a severe disability, no matter your income, Medicaid state federal programs that provides health coverage if you have a very low income. So Mm -hmm. what does this proposed budget do to those programs, Ann?
1: Well, it's really interesting, John. I was just talking to people today who said, you know, Uh, Yesterday we were hearing $865 billion cut over 10 years, which is a huge amount. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I talked to somebody today who said, "Well, actually, I think they just kind of shifted some of the money to other pieces of the budget and so forth." I mean, these are hard to uh, to analyze within Mm -hmm. you know 20 hours. But, But I think what's what we're seeing is that. Trump wants to rein in the spending on yeah. these these entitlement programs. He has he is actually saying that they they won't be solvent unless mm-hmm. we address some of the waste, fraud, and abuse. But when you talk to Democrats, I say, well, waste is in the eye of the beholder, right. um, and that uh, seniors will be scared if we uh, start chipping away at it. So I think this is actually more of a political issue, mm-hmm. you know. And I was talking to somebody today who said none of this matters because none of it will become reality. Well,
0: And that that's the sixty-four million dollar yeah. yeah. question right there. ABC's Mary Alice Parks up on Capitol Hill. You have been talking to members about this, Mary Alice. I mean, I felt like yesterday when we were talking about um, a large piece of this, we had said it's dead on arrival. I think for every candidate right now that is running for President Trump's job, there is no way they see anything in terms of his cuts to uh, Americans' Medicare that he'll like.
2: Right, I think that Anne hit the nail on the head that it's all about spin and rhetoric, where Republicans are using words like savings and cutting red tape. Democrats are using words like slashing sacred programs and gutting reliable foundational social services that many Americans have come to rely on. And so we're hearing that sort of exchange of words getting really heated here on Capitol Hill. And obviously, like you said, already spilling over into the 2020 race.
0: And another topic here that everyone is talking about um, is obviously further cuts the president wants to make uh, to the Department of Education. I mean, a huge number here, $7.1 billion in cuts. And, and Anne, let's start this with you, because we know uh, his uh, secretary of education, Betsy DeVos, mm-hmm. um, very different than any of her predecessors. But that impact, what that will do to schools across the country, pretty significant. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean keep in mind that this was an agency or a, a department that um, re- many Republicans said that they don't even want to exist they don't like the idea of, of the federal government inside um, education budgets they think it should be handed by the state and President states. Trump
0: send this said this constantly on the mm-hmm. campaign trail didn't want it why do we need it give it back to the state so yeah this right. cut certainly reflects that
1: well and what I think is interesting is that you have an 8.6 billion dollar request for the wall but a seven billion dollar cut from the education mm. department uh, the federal support of The Special Olympics was in there, after school programs for um, low income kids. These are things that. Uh, the Trump administration said should be handled by local communities. One thing I did find really interesting in the education to budget, uh, education proposal, was that Betsy DeVos wants this idea of a tax credit. Uh, you can donate towards scholarships for private schools, mm-hmm. and you would get a tax credit. Um, r- conservatives, conservatives have actually come out and panned this idea because they don't like the idea of complicating the tax budget. So right. one of these proposals that's in the budget has already fallen flat
0: wow and let's throw that graphic uh, back up on screen we're talking about the cuts here because mary ellis one actually stood out to me um particularly when we think of some of the candidates that are running for the white house elizabeth warren uh, in particular uh, Ending subsidized student loans and the public service loan forgiveness program, we know that is something uh, that many uh, supporters of Elizabeth Warren, in particular, um, have championed her for. That's one of the causes that she's very passionate about. Um, Have we heard from any of the 2020 candidates on these cuts so far, Mary
2: Alice? Yeah, you're exactly right. This stands in stark contrast to what we're hearing from Democrats and progressives. They have already been campaigning on this idea of debt-free college, really expanding loans, trying to work at the debt and the student loans that, uh, that college kids already take on in this country, working with federal and state programs to try to bring down the cost of college. But you're right, across the board, we're looking at a Republican vision of a smaller federal government with tailored federal spending. And then these very different lines from the, Rep- from the Democrats that are running for president, where they're often looking for ways to expand federal funding in health care or the education space. And we have already heard from some of the 2020 years that some of those Democrats that are running that would like to take on the president, they're saying that this represents something fundamentally different from what the president campaigned on. You'll remember that back in 2016, you were there, John. He was yeah. often talking about how he would not cut Medicare or Medicaid and social, social programs that some other Republicans have been eyeing in the past. And the Democrats are saying that this is a broken campaign promise represented in the budget.
0: Well, Mary Alice, as we often say, there's often a tweet for that, and we happen to have found it. president tweeted in May of 2015, I was the first and only potential GOP candidate to state there will be no cuts to Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Huckabee copied me. Uh, well, we got a problem there with this budget, Mary Alice, to see well, the list. And,
2: and I think it's important to look at some of the nitty gritty, too. You know, Ann and I have been trading emails all morning trying to look at some of these policy proposals and really understand what they might mean. You know, when we listen to Republicans and the, and the acting director of OMB try to describe some of the cuts to Medicaid, he says it's not cuts, that it's restructuring. We're going to move money back to the states. But then you hear from the states that if it were limited block grants, it wouldn't let them, be able to sort of swell their funding when they need when people fall below the poverty line. Uh, So it's obviously not just how much money, but how exactly you can spend that money and what sort of policies you're defending with this budget.
0: Well one policy the president is certainly trying to defend is his push for a border wall. I mean we talked about this for quite a while yesterday. If at first you fail try try again and he certainly is trying again. 8.6 billion is what he's asking for. And REALITY CHECK.
1: Right. So <laughs> I think the um, it's interesting because he wanted originally $5.6 for yeah. the border wall. He declares a national emergency. Uh-huh. We think that's going to get tied up in court. So he doubles so do down. That. In fairness. And, yeah, so does the White House. They do. And, and then they try to double down and say, well, let's you know put it in the, the budget request. I think what this this whole budget is is red meat to conservatives. It's a, it's a talking point to the base to say, look, we're doing everything that we can. We're going to ask for 5,000 more border agents. We're going to ask for more ICE uh, pe- to detain people. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. It's just saying that we think that immigration is a priority. I do think it's worth noting that illegal immigration crossings aren't anywhere near what they were around the year 2000. Yeah, uh, it was. I think it was at 1.6. Now it's at 400,000. Mm. We might be on track to reach 600,000 people illegally crossing. So you know whether or not it's a national emergency, I, the beholder, Trump right. thinks it is, and he's doubling down on this budget.
0: And Mary Alice, you know one of the interesting things that I heard earlier today is Chuck Schumer uh, actually said he uh, hopes uh, Mitch McConnell would bring this budget onto the floor because he would like to see uh, how many Republicans would actually say they're in favor of this plan.
2: Yeah, that was really interesting. Uh, It was not lost on Mitch McConnell. And uh, it's it's not lost on me that Mitch McConnell has been sort of lackluster in his support of this budget. He put out a really basic statement, barely offering support, and his statement came a day late. We have heard a lot of kind of ho-humming from Republicans up here. Look, this was always understood as sort of a wish list from the White House. And we have seen Republicans push back on proposals from this White House before they can't even agree on funding for this year and this is obviously a budget wish wish list for next year
0: a lot more to look at here and you're you and the team have been diving through these numbers we can see all that reporting up on the site it's up there go to abcnews.com for all the latest and flaherty thank you mary alice parks appreciate it as always we're going to switch gears here in the briefing room and everyone today talking about boeing 737 those max 8 jets problems now. We're seeing many countries actually grounding the fleet. I want to bring in ABC's senior transportation correspondent David Curley. And David, you and the gang, uh, your team have been watching this uh, all day. We haven't really heard a lot or anything really from the American airline carriers that happen to fly these aircrafts.
3: No, we actually have. In fact, they continue to express confidence in the aircraft. American Airlines, just issuing a statement a little while ago basically saying, we believe it's a safe aircraft, we're going to continue to operate it. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't pressure on these airlines from even some of their union members to go ahead and ground this aircraft until we know more about this second crash of a 737 MAX. But so far, uh, it appears that none of the airlines so far is going to bend. If one of them does, I think the others will follow. And apparently, the president had a conversation with the CEO of Boeing and the CEO Mm -hmm. saying, listen, we shouldn't ground them here. But as you can see, with the European Union now joining uh, several countries in either banning the aircraft from coming into their airspace or grounding aircraft that are flown out of their countries, uh, there is a growing chorus that maybe these planes should sit on the ground until we know more about this second accident.
0: And David, as far as we know, I know you mentioned right there that the president is spoken to the CEO of Boeing. We do not know if there's been any dialogue between the president and the FAA administrator.
3: Uh, don't know uh, specifically whether he has spoken to the acting FAA administrator, uh, but the president did tweet about what he thinks about modern aircraft earlier today, thinking that they're uh, too complex. Um, But uh, as we all know, air uh, travel has become one of the safest modes of travel that we have these days. And and we heard earlier today, David, from
0: our team up on Capitol Hill, uh, many members of Congress uh, weighing in right now on these aircrafts. Let's take a listen to that. The
3: 737 MAX eight should be
0: immediately grounded until the FAA can assure us that they are
4: safe. Well, I think out of an abundance of caution and, frankly, common sense, it makes sense to ground an aircraft that's been involved in uh, two very tragic accidents in uh, only six months. I'll leave that to FAA. I mean, we have very competent people and leave it up to the experts.
0: Okay, so, David, I'm a passenger. I'm flying. I'm taking a trip soon. Uh, I'm using uh, one of uh, these carriers that happens to still fly these aircrafts. Totally reasonable for somebody to be scared right now based on what they're seeing and the reaction uh, from other countries uh, banning any of these aircrafts over their airspace or for any of them to fly, period, for certain airlines. What are my options, though, if I am a passenger on an upcoming flight? Can I get out?
3: If you have a refundable ticket, absolutely you can get out. Uh, if you have a non-refundable ticket, it might be a little bit of a problem. Listen, the, the concern is obvious. When we all first heard about this second crash, four and a half months apart, these two crashes, and a plane that's been in service for basically a year and a half, yes, the 737 is the most popular plane in the world, this version, the fastest selling ever, but of course there are concerns about the aircraft. Uh, The problem is the FAA said yesterday in issuing a notification, it makes decisions based on evidence, and there's no evidence that these two crashes are linked. In fact, there's evidence that the first crash may have been bad maintenance and pilot error, not the Mm -hmm. aircraft necessarily, although Boeing had a new safety system in it that a lot of pilots didn't know about. So, if you take that out, then we have the second crash, and we really don't know much of anything. And one thing we haven't talked about mm-hmm. is that we have a correspondent on the ground in Ethiopia, Matt Gutman, who spoke yep. to the chief investigator for Ethiopia, who said they're going to, they've had the boxes now, the black boxes, for 36 hours. And this individual told uh, our reporter that they're going to wait until they finish the investigation of the debris field for another two or three days before they read out the boxes now that's that violates all international protocols, or at least normal behavior. Well, that, well,
0: that, well, that's question, though, David. What
3: is a normal protocol? How quickly would they review those, instantly well, as soon as they find almost them? Almost as immediately as you can get it to a lab. You basically, okay. if you find it, you, you send it to a lab and get it read out, you run the field investigation and the lab investigation at the same time. Right. If there is something wrong with this jet and Ethiopia is going to sit on those boxes for another three days, and we don't find out for another three days that there's something wrong with these jets, mm-hmm and we didn't ground them, Mm -hmm. that's not good.
0: No, not good at all. The other thing, not good. I was just looking uh, right before we started. Uh, Boeing stock currently down uh, 23 points, almost 6% for the company since trading started this morning. We'll keep an eye on it. David Curley, much appreciated, sir. You bet. Thank you. Switching years, uh, the other story that... I'm fascinated by this one today. Uh, if you apply to college, uh, you know, we know how that goes. You have to do your SAT, you have to write that essay, your personal story, uh, or mom and dad can just cut a check. I want to bring in ABC's Aaron Katursky, uh, who's been watching this crazy story with us all day. Uh, Aaron, so about 50 INDIVIDUALS HERE, uh, TRYING TO GET uh, THEIR uh, CHILDREN INTO COLLEGE, uh, BUT DIDN'T STAY UP LATE, DIDN'T uh, WRITE THOSE ESSAYS, DIDN'T GO THROUGH THE PACKETS THAT YOU HAVE TO SEND OFF. Uh, THEY JUST CUT A CHECK.
4: THEY WERE PART OF WHAT FEDERAL PROSECUTORS, JOHN, CALLED THE CATALOG OF WEALTH AND PRIVILEGE THAT SIMPLY BOUGHT A SPOT FOR THEIR KID IN GEORGETOWN OR YALE OR USC OR WAKE FOREST. And they did it through a college counselor, an admissions counselor out in California who bragged, according to court records, about doing this some 800 times, either bribing an SAT administrator to inflate scores or bribing college coaches to fabricate athletic credentials so the preferred student could come into the school as a recruit. And, Aaron, this is not just limited, just to be clear here,
0: this is not just limited to one school. These are schools all over the country.
4: The scheme ran nationwide, and it ran since at least 2011, so it's been going on for years. And all told, this one college counselor who pleaded guilty in Boston today, William Singer, was paid $25 million by nearly three dozen parents who just wanted to get their kid into the school of their choice. And there are some Mm -hmm. bold-faced names associated with this, including the actress Felicity Huffman. She paid a purported $15,000 charity payment uh, in order to make sure that her eldest daughter had the proper SAT scores to get into school. And the actress Lori Loughlin of Full House fame uh, allegedly paid $500,000 to make sure her two daughters could get an athletic scholarship to the University of Southern California for crew. Her two daughters have never rode a day in their life.
0: Wow! And and Aaron, uh, uh, particular on those two individuals. So Felicity Huffman has been arrested. What's happening with uh, uh, Laurie Laughlin from Full House?
4: Uh, in fact, Felicity Huffman is uh, due to appear in court not too distant future. Her husband William H Macy was just seen headed into the courthouse in Los Angeles. Laurie Laughlin is uh, uh, shooting. Uh, she's on location in Canada but authorities tell us that she is aware there is a warrant for her arrest and she is in all likelihood going to turn herself in upon return to the united states there are still a couple of other defendants that are arranging surrender we're told but the fifty people that are charged Mm -hmm. do not include the students in many cases john the authorities said the students were not aware of what their parents did in order to secure a spot in school and Aaron, what kind of penalty here are these parents looking at. I, I, I can't imagine it's going to be very much I mean, th- it, depending on how the cases are adjudicated and and how they're charged but uh, there's a possibility I suppose of prison time but Felici- Felicity Huffman's probably not going to jail over this in all likelihood fines probation something like that th- there's an open question about whether the students ever would be charged if they were found to know what their parents did or whether the schools might move to try wow. and kick them out or or invalidate their degree somehow, because uh, some of these students have already graduated. Um, the, the students, though, so far have not been charged, and the schools mm-hmm. were portrayed as victims, yeah. uh, not knowing what was going on behind the scenes. Well, and
0: and that's the question, right? I mean, the schools here, you know, if, if they really did not know about it, it would be... QUITE STRIKING. HAVE WE HEARD ANYTHING FROM THESE SCHOOLS YET? I MEAN, THE the LIST OF SCHOOLS, YOU'VE GOT YALE, STANFORD, UNIVERSITY OF TEXAS, USC, GEORGETOWN, NOT FAR FROM OUR BUREAU HERE
4: nobody was paying to get into syracuse where i went but do that <laughs> so, as it may. hey
0: nobody went to Hofstra either aaron uh, i don't know
4: why <laughs> the the, uh, the 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 schools even if they didn't know certainly came to find out as these charging documents dropped this morning out of boston and the dominoes quickly started to fall once the schools read the list of coaches and already we've heard from wake forest and the university of texas and ucla among others that they are placing certain coaches on administrative leave I think it's striking that these were not football coaches or basketball coaches, but in some sports that don't tend to get a lot of public attention, like crew or sailing or tennis, and these coaches were bribed, in some cases, $400,000, a former coach at, at Yale, to put a student on her women's soccer team, even though the student had never played soccer before.
0: Wow. So we've got people pretending that they rode, people pretending they played soccer, and you just knocking tennis. Okay. Got it, Aaron Katursky. Thanks so much. You can catch more of Aaron's reporting upline right now at abcnews.com. Before we leave you uh, for today, um, a really sweet story uh, out right here from uh, the local Washington area. Uh, this is about a woman who uh, just turned a hundred and ten years old. Her name is uh, Virginia McLaurin. Uh, you can see her there with Michelle Obama and uh, President Barack Obama. Uh, that was her 106th birthday gift. She got to go to the White House uh, to celebrate. Um, but really, a sweet story today. Now 110. Uh, she was asked uh, by local reporters, what did she want to do for her 110th birthday? After that, uh, for 106, 109th, she played at the Harlem Globetrotters, apparently for 110 She just wants to go to TGI Fridays for her birthday. Very sweet story. Um, But I'm gonna backtrack a little bit because uh, we have a guest joining us. Let's go up to Capitol Hill. ABC's Mary Alice Parks uh, is there. Mary Alice, you're there uh, with Senator Elizabeth Warren.
2: Yes, I am. You were talking earlier about that deadly plane crash in Ethiopia, and I wanted to talk to Senator Warren. Thank you for doing this. You put out a pretty big statement first thing this morning, calling for the FAA to ground those new 737s. Mm -hmm. And I was struck by the fact that that went in direct contradiction to the FAA that said that they don't have any evidence these planes are unsafe. Why go out there ahead of the, the FAA, the experts in the field?
5: So the whole point is to say to the FAA, look, we've had two plane crashes in less than six months. The FAA itself has said, gee, there are some updates coming for the software. Nobody knows the cause of these crashes. China, Australia, the United Kingdom, several other countries have said, whoa, until we have more information, let's just keep these planes on the ground until we get information about why these crashes occurred. You know what's supposed to come first? IS THE SAFETY OF PEOPLE WHO ARE FLYING IN THOSE AIRPLANES, THE AMERICAN PUBLIC, NOT THE PROFITS OF BOEING.
2: BUT DO YOU NOT, WELL, I WANT TO ASK YOU ABOUT THAT IN A SECOND, Mm -hmm. BUT DO YOU NOT TRUST THE the EXPERTS THEN? I WAS STRUCK BY BRIAN SCHATZ, WHO IS ONE OF YOUR DEMOCRATIC COLLEAGUES, He's A RANKING MEMBER ON THE SCIENCE AND TECHNOLOGY AND TRANSPORTATION COMMITTEE, AND HE SAID THAT WE SHOULD TRUST THE EXPERTS. THE FAA ARE THE EXPERTS IN THE FIELD.
5: SO, LOOK, MY VIEW IS THE FAA HAS NOT YET RULED ONE WAY OR THE OTHER, THE QUESTION IS, Whether or not you want to err on the side of protecting the flying public, that's what the United Kingdom is doing, that's what China is doing, that's what Australia, that's what several other countries are doing, err on the side of protecting the flying public until you know for sure what happened. Or if you want to say, hey, keep flying, what could possibly go wrong? Mm We have seen what can go wrong. There have been two crashes in less than six months of these planes, and the FAA itself has said there are going to have to be changes.
2: You you mentioned Boeing's profits, and in your statement, you specifically mentioned the administration's relationship with Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. You seem to be implying that the administration might be trying to protect Boeing. Is that what you think is going on here?
5: That's sure what we watched last time, right, where the administration said, notwithstanding the very bad behavior of Saudi Arabia in killing uh, journalists who lived in the United States, uh, that, no, they didn't want to put in jeopardy a sale that Boeing had pending with Saudi Arabia. Profits are not the very first responsibility. The first responsibility is the safety and security of the people of the United States. So for me, I just want to be sure this is not about protecting Boeing's profits. This is about protecting people who get on those airplanes and count on the fact that they're going to be safe.
2: Well, I have you. Any response to the Boston federal prosecutors that laid out these big charges? An operation dubbed Varsity Blues, this largest ever college admissions cheating scam. It's really been rocking our airwaves. Everyone's talking about it. This
5: is just stunning. I mean, the notion that people thought they could keep cheating like this and build this Evidently, built this huge cheating network in order for the children of the rich and the powerful to make it into fancy schools. You know, to me, it's just one more example of how the rich and powerful know how to take care of their own and everybody else just gets left behind. I think that's wrong.
2: Joe Biden might enter the race in just a few weeks. There were firefighters that were chanting, Run, Joe, run today. What do you think? How does he change the race? Any advice for him? You know,
5: look. I think it's terrific if that's what Joe Biden decides he wants to do. He has to make a very personal decision here. What's exciting to me right now is how many Democrats are out there because they've got good ideas about how we make changes in this country. Everybody looks around and says, you know, this is a government, a Congress that's working great." FOR THE RICH AND THE POWERFUL, WORKS GREAT FOR GIANT DRUG COMPANIES, WORKS GREAT FOR GIANT OIL COMPANIES. IT'S JUST NOT WORKING FOR THE REST OF AMERICA. AND uh, I LIKE TO SEE DEMOCRATS WHO ARE TALKING ABOUT HOW WE CAN MAKE THOSE CHANGES. SO IT SOUNDS LIKE YOU WELCOME HIM IN THE RACE? Uh, ABSOLUTELY.
2: OKAY. WELL, SENATOR WARREN, THANK YOU FOR TAKING THE TIME. I okay. REALLY APPRECIATE YOU JOINING good to US. TO SEE YOU. ON THE BRIEFING ROOM. THANK, thank, you. thank YOU. JOHN?
0: Mary Alice, thank you. Thank you, Senator. Appreciate it. That is going to do it for us here in the briefing room for this Tuesday edition. Make sure to download the ABC News app for any news anytime. I'm John Santucci in Washington. You're watching ABC News.